he has jazz DNA, you know, he's, he's a great person. He can really shoot the ball. And I think the way we play really fits um, his game. There it is. Jazz DNA confirmed by George Niang during his media availability for Matt Thomas. He will fit in seamlessly with this team. This is Round Ball Roundup on UtahJazz.com. I'm JP Chunga. Nio Campbell joins us on this Friday as we run through our favorite deals at the trade deadline. That ahead of a back-to-back against the Memphis Grizzlies, a team that we're going to get to learn a lot about as they take on Memphis next week in Tennessee. That and the full comment from George Yang on Round Ball Roundup. Podcast brought to you by Bailey's Moving and Storage. We move you every step of the way, near or far, big or small. It's Bailey's Moving and Storage. Quick off the top, because I give away my favorite trade of the entire season, Western Conference Edition with Nio. I'll tell you my favorite trade on the Eastern Conference, and it is obviously the Miami Heat deal for a Victor Oladipo. Low cost, the asking price for Kyle Lowry, way too high. They get to keep Tyler Hero, keep Duncan Robinson, and they get Oladipo on a flyer for a year. They can resign him at the end of the season, and they have flexibility in their cap. How does Pat Riley continue to do this? Jazz East with their heat culture. Explain more when we talk to Niall. But that's a good move in if he gives you anything, then it's already a huge addition. Olenek has been a contributor for that team, and they will miss his production. But as everybody gets healthy and they get through their COVID blues that they had where their entire team was dealing with the effects, they're going to jump up and get much better. It is my favorite deal of the deadline, but it is my favorite Eastern Conference trade. So don't worry. I I talk about my favorite Western Conference one and the one that could affect the Jazz. As for Matt Thomas, he joins the squad for a 2021 second-round draft pick from the Golden State Warriors. It's a move that George likes. Just a great overall human being. Uh, obviously, I'm smiling talking about it. Me and Matt, you know, lived across the hall from each other in college for three three years. It was a, a fun experience. Matt's a great guy, a uh, great person. Um, obviously, he's a great player. He he helped me out a lot in college with um, when I did pass the ball. He was making a lot of shots. Um, you know, obviously, you guys will get to see him. He's he has jazz DNA. You know, he's he's a great person. He can really shoot the ball, and I think the way we play really fits um, his game. 45% from three. Jazz DNA pulsing through his veins. Utah is the top three in percentage attempts makes. It's the same thing as the Ersan Ilyasova edition. If he provides anything, it's going to be shooting. You hear Dennis Lindsay on this show and in the press conferences where he says, gotta add snipers. Snipers. Well, that's exactly what Matt Thomas provides. If he's going to get into a game and if he's going to crack the rotation, he's going to do one thing, and that means that he's shooting threes better than other players on the roster. And he can play on the floor while not being the greatest of defenders of all time, one-on-one defenders, because he has a security blanket in Rudy Gobert behind him. Quinn staggering the minutes so that Rudy plays against bench units. And if Matt Thomas gets on the floor with Rudy, he'll be fine. The other thing that affects this is that the roster's at 15. If they're going to add anybody, somebody needs to be waived. But ultimately, this is the group 
that they're taking in to the playoffs, the one that's landed them on the top spot in the Western Conference. And as other teams have made their moves, Jazz pretty much stay intact. And the fact that the other teams are in so much flux. Clippers, what are you going to get day to day? The Lakers are without LeBron and AD. The big Death Star that could affect seeding, potentially, could be another team that didn't do much at the trade deadline, and it's the Phoenix Suns. So watch that. The other thing to address, Alex Jensen taking his name out of the running for the head coaching position at the University of Utah. It's going from 16 to 9 to 4 by 3. The lifestyle change of going from the NBA to college program. In the NBA, you're flying private everywhere. In college, some of these teams fly commercial. And I know, average fan, that means nothing. I would like to fly anywhere. Fly private once, and then try to go back to flying commercial all time. With a team going out on the road, recruiting. And recruiting can fit some sort of head coaches. If you're a natural extrovert, recruiting could be super fun. You get to buy the groceries, going back to that Bill Parcells quote. But Alex Jensen is so close to being an NBA head coach, and it should happen sooner rather than later. He's been instrumental in what Rudy does and the development of Derek Favors, and he's a lead assistant for one of the best coaches in the entire league in Quinn Snyder. I'm sure that's a pretty good reference to have on your resume. He's sticking around. So, credit also to be fair, The Athletic... Got that first, Chris Kimrani and Tony Jones. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. As always, five stars, nice reviews. That's all I ask of you. Let others know that you're listening to the podcast. Trade deadline came on Thursday. And as everybody was refreshing their phones, we were doing it alongside with them. Niall Campbell and I break down the trade deadline and give you our favorite trades over that time. Please enjoy a happy Niall Campbell Friday. When it comes time to move, it's always a hassle. Loading everything in the truck, hoping the priceless antique from your mother doesn't break, and trying to juggle the kids and dog in the middle of it all is enough to drive anyone crazy. But it doesn't have to be that way. The friendly, background-checked movers at Bailey's Moving and Storage have the expertise to move your family across town or even around the world. So when it's time to move, think Bailey's Moving and Storage. Call today at 801-218-2640 or check them out online at baileysallied.com. State is in the building. We've got uh, George and Matt where they lived across the hall from each other. Um, really excited. George has talked them up. George made Matt seem like he's a great guy. So I'm excited to meet Matt, see what kind of energy he has. Since he said, since George has said that he has jazz DNA, that's some big, big words, big things to say. I mean, JP, you've coined the phrase. I want to know what jazz DNA is. I want to go into the lab with a little microscope and actually see what jazz DNA is. Yes, how many atoms are included in a jazz DNA sample? High school biology. I guess this would be more graduate level. But he says he has jazz DNA fitting in on this team that has so many players with jazz DNA. What is it exactly? It's shooting a lot of threes. It's being able to shoot. It's being a sniper. It's playing defense. I want to ask Dennis next time that I talk to him, what exactly is Jazz DNA to him? Because it might change for other people. What is it to you, Naya? What is Jazz DNA? Oh, that's a great question. I definitely think 
Um, I mean, you got to throw in being able to shoot that three, right? Um, if not, somebody's able, you know, we're, we're not always going to see Rudy shoot a three, but Rudy's definitely going to show out on defense. I think, you know, what's another good one is being able to dunk. That, you know, I look back in my handy dandy book and seeing how many people that have been a part of the slam dunk contest, that have been a part of the skills challenge, that have been able to do a lot of different things in history. And I think that's a skill that we see. We see that with Rudy, we see that with Donovan, who else has dunked. Um, you know, we see that quite often. So I think that, I think also being able to know your role and, and succeeding at that role, no matter how big or small it is, that's a skill that I think jazz players must have in order to really have jazz DNA. You come in and you do well at your role. You succeed at what you are here to do. You don't try to be anybody else. There's only one Jordan Clarkson, only one George Niang, only one Mieoni, only one Donovan Mitchell, only one Rudy Gobert. The list goes on and on. But all these people have jazz DNA because they're able to be successful at their role. So I think that's key. And then I think also being able, <laughs> I say this all the time and a piggyback to something that I always bring up is the brotherhood. Being able to have all that DNA mixed up. The DNA is so successful because it's the true family. That's where DNA comes from. I wonder what it separates it from other DNAs. Do the Lakers have DNA? Blazers have DNA? Heat have heat culture. We've talked about that. What separates jazz DNA? I've got to ask Dennis next time that we have him on the podcast. I think that's a great question, JP. I'm excited to hear that answer. Trades that I liked off of what actually popped off on trade deadline Thursday. Refresh, 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 pull down to refresh. It was, it was insane. Well, the NBA released this morning that 35 trades or however many trades that they had, it was the most in 35 years. So it was popping yesterday. And I think the one that I like the most, Nuggets get Aaron Gordon. Why? Why do I like this one the most? And JaVale McGee. And JaVale McGee. But the Aaron Gordon one's crucial for me in understanding that now they have somebody that can replicate that Jeremy Grant role that they had last year. Gordon's a better passer, and Gordon can be on this team a Draymond Green type now that he's with better teammates. On the Magic, it's kind of a wasteland. You don't know what you're getting from that team. Some days it's good, some days it's not. With this team, he's got an MVP candidate sitting next to him, and then he's got Jamal Murray. He'll be asked to do something every single night, and that will elevate his level of play to where he could be a, a poor, poor man's dream on green. I think it just really irks me that the West just keeps getting more star. Like it's just the West, West, West is such a loaded conference. It just kind of just, it irks me a little bit that people just keep coming over to the West. And I just want it to be divvied up a little bit more. I think that's kind of just my issue with it. Um, but I do think it was time for him to leave Orlando. I mean, Orlando blew things up. Uh, they sent their people over to to Chicago and they got rid of Aaron Gordon, two of their crucial. I mean, now is all it is is Terrence Ross there. And that's about it. So I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, it's going to make our rivalry, rivalry against the uh, Denver Nuggets um, a little bit more competitive. I'm excited to see how we respond to Aaron Gordon now being on the team. But I think my favorite trade was, again, sending over somebody to the, from the Western Conference to the Eastern Conference, Victor Oladipo, uh, going, heading over to the Miami Heat. 
with Victor, Bam, and Jimmy Butler, and they still got to keep Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. I mean, <laughs> they were still able to keep these guys. So I think that's going to be really exciting to see. Victor Oladipo was, you know, an all-star. Um, it's threats three all-stars on one team, but they're three all-stars that haven't won a championship. Um, and so I think that's going to be exciting to see how they all work together. That's Jazz East in that they have a big, they have a small, and they have established roles for all their shooters. They haven't shot as well as the Jazz, and that's what separates them so far, but they also have dealt with COVID and having to get their entire group back. They're starting to play much better and starting to go up the Eastern Conference standings. Right now, they're still at the place that they were when they finished the bubble. They're fourth. The Jazz, when it comes to all those moves and machinations that happened in the Western Conference, they're still fine with this addition from Gordon. It's just, it improves Denver from being a team that I don't trust defensively at all to somebody that might be, might get a little frisky if they have to play defense, might have an opportunity to get stops down the stretch, which the Jazz have no problem with having Rudy Gobert as a defensive stalwart and a defensive player of the year. Going on the other side of the spectrum, Portland, they're going all in on offense. Everything's going to be about outscoring an opponent, outscoring opponent, because they traded away Rodney Hood and Gary Trent for Norman Powell, and Powell's going to be somebody that off the bench can provide even more of a scoring punch as they go all in on their offense. I think Norman Powell like, just like, uh, reached his career high just a few games ago. Um, he's definitely he's definitely coming to his own and with his role and I and I think Norman Powell and Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum that'll be an interesting group uh, to see you know when it comes to the ball I I think but the thing is one thing about uh, Portland is they do a very good job of sharing the ball because somehow Damian Lillard is still able to get sixty points and the other people on the bench are still able to you know do pretty well as well so um, yeah that's going to be a very interesting. I really liked, I mean, you know, Rodney Hood, you know, that you got to give him love because he's from, you know, jazz, whatever. And, he has jazz DNA. Okay. So I didn't know if I want I didn't know if I could say that because I'm still working on my jazz DNA, but you, you say he has jazz DNA. He's a little bit of jazz DNA. Okay. For sure. Um, and then Gary Trent, you know, he got to grow up with the Portland Trailblazers and now was traded over, but that's going to be uh, definitely interesting to see how Norman fits into this group. They all, but the thing is, all they're defending on, all they're depending on right now for defense, is Robert Covington. Yeah, they have Rocco, and then if Nurt comes back, yeah. he he's the big rim protector because otherwise you're playing Ennis Cantor and Carmelo Anthony to defend. And as old as Carmelo is, and as much as I personally love Carmelo, as we're watching Syracuse go on a Sweet 16 run, he's not going to be an elite level of defender. They need. Nurk to turn it on otherwise they're going to be outscoring 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 teams and I don't know how uh, substantial that's going to become playoff time yeah for sure I was like yeah so just thinking about that it's really kind of just depends on uh, Rob Covington first team all def defense and um, who's been first team of all defense and then Nurk so we'll see how they uh, are able to hone it out your boy Celtics runs past Rondo going wow. to the clips I was like, what are you talking about, my boy? I was like, who's my boy? Um, yeah, Rajon Rondo, but I like, did you see Lou Will's post? Lou Will said that he was gonna he thought about retiring yesterday. Really? You know, his farewell message, and he was like, 
I thought about retiring yesterday. I won't lie to you. Uh, you pour all of you know what you have into an organization, blah, blah, blah. Um, and something along those lines, you know, thank you for the experience. Really loved being with the Clippers. But, you know, he's still excited to go back home. He gets to kind of just play right in his backyard. So, I mean, Lou Will, it's looking like, even though he's been able to keep his legs young, keep a pretty, been able to go through some tough years that come back like he's a rookie, um, it looks like Lou Will might be on his way out. I feel like he might, um, he doesn't want to get traded again. So I see him probably finishing his career either in Atlanta, finishing it back home and calling it a day. Wow. I didn't know that. You're going to have to send that IG post this way. Like I did earlier on the podcast to you. I sent you IG post. I will. Rondo on the clips, though, adds to them a playmaking dimension that I don't think that they had before, relying so heavily on Kawhi and Paul George to create everything for them. And that's not their number one skill set. Like, it's not Donovan's number one skill set to be a playmaker, but he's grown into and become better and better and better at making those decisions. Now, Kawhi and Paul George, they don't like doing that. And Patrick Beverly, as good as he is at doing that, it isn't enough to make them into this contender's tier where the Jazz and the Lakers are. Rondo, if they get playoff Rondo, which apparently is a thing that everybody's banking on, can't see it during the regular season. But if it comes in the playoff and Rondo plays to that level, Rondo making threes, Rondo creating, that could go a long way. Where does Patrick Beverly go? Does Patrick Beverly just go to the bench? Or was Patrick Beverly ever starting? I don't think he was. Pat Bev is in some of their best lineups because he's also one of their top-tier defenders. You have to consider that he defends the best small. When the Jazz and Clippers are going against each other, he's, yeah, he's, he's right up in, in Donovan's face the entire time. Oh, God, he's so annoying. I love that. But the thing is, Patrick Beverly somehow is still one of my favorite players. Um, I love the way he defends and I love how extra he is and he's just like that all the time. He's just a true guy from Chicago and that's why I enjoy seeing him play. But God, he's so annoying. The way that he's, his hand is in your face, there's no one like, like, it is so annoying. Mr. 94 feet is what they call him. He's and like a dog just barking, just barking, just barking. He earns every, every cent of that nickname because he is all over the place. For sure, for sure. But yes, I was wondering, so is is Rondo coming off the bench then? Yeah. So they could go two ways. They could put him in that Beverly role where you play more defensive or down the stretch you could put Rondo in that Beverly, Paul George, Kawhi, Batum, who's the big? Ibaka. Switch out Bev Rondo in that scenario so you could go offense, defense. Yeah, I mean, this, we don't play, oh, we do play them again later on in the season. It'll be cool to watch. But that's a a playoff matchup for the Jazz if it comes to the second or third round. If they make it to the Western Conference Finals, they're on the 4-5 line? On the 3. Lakers are 4 now. Okay, there you go. Five games back from the number one spot. The Lakers are a team to watch when it comes to the buyout market, and I was surprised that they didn't do much in the trade deadline. If they slink all the way down into that 6-7-8 range – would be pretty cruel if it's a first-round matchup between the Jazz and the Lakers and you have LeBron and Anthony Davis coming back for that team. That would be a, a real cruel happening after a, a great year for Utah to get the number one seed. That would just be unfair. Like, we got to say number one, let the Lakers get to number seven. It's just not fair. It's just like at the end of the day, it's like, I mean, you got to give 
it's these are the former champions and they're now in the seventh seed and they're gonna have a fully healthy LeBron and a uh, and Anthony Davis that haven't played like come on seeding matters seeding matters for for a team like Utah I don't know about a team Michael in Lee. LA that has all that playoff experience but for the Jazz as they're trying to get that it matters to have these home games because they also have a home crowd. You just mentioned it. When you're in D.C., you get no advantage. It's just playing into a weird environment. But here, you have at least a little bit of a home court advantage, and it spurs on the guys. Yeah, we got to say in the top, I, in at least the top four, for sure, at least you know the first two rounds, if we're able to get um, the best – if we're able to get that home court advantage, that's going to be a, a key difference in, in what happens. Last one I got for you, just due to – it was a move made by a contender, Dallas. They go for J.J. Redick, ah. and they get Nicola Melli on that team. I like this move for Dallas in getting them more shooting as everybody in this league is looking for snipers just like the Jazz. They get Redick – who everybody knows is a dead eye guy, and now he's playing against playing with one of the best playmakers in the entire league in Luka Doncic. Yeah, JJ Redick. I mean, the guy keeps going from team to team, but there's nothing like JJ Redick and and that man's ability to be not only a great shooter but a great clutch shooter. But JJ Redick is an essential is a, is a key shooter on a team. He's a deadly weapon. So I was a little jealous. I'm not gonna lie. Whenever JJ Redick, I'm like, dang, he's with the mask. Um, I wish we could kind of just sneak J.J. JJ Redick in. Well, he was a buyout candidate if he wasn't going to be traded, and a lot of Jazz fans wanted him here. I would love to have J.J. Redick on the team. I think he – and he's just a great guy. We could have had him on the podcast. He's a podcaster himself. Two podcasters would be on the team, him and Joe. And Joe At three, yeah. I think Joe's been on his podcast. Yeah. And Mike's been on his podcast too. Sure. Does Donovan? No. I don't think so. If he had Donovan on his podcast, that's more recruiting, more tampering. Should have done it if you're Donovan. He did. He had him on the podcast. He did? When? When was this? Uh, 2018. Oh, a long time ago. Yeah. It was when it was Donovan Mitchell on his rookie campaign. Okay. Half the team's been on his podcast. JJ the podcaster. All right. How's the book going? You're catching up on 100 things every jazz fan should know, reading through it in your quest to learn more about jazz history. Nayo, how's it going? I do this for you guys. So this week we learned about Darren Williams. This week we learned a little bit more about him. So it was all-stars. We learned about all of the all-stars that have been selected. Um, and then I guess like it was Darren and Carlos Boozer selected together. I didn't know when learning about Darren, I didn't realize it was like a huge, um, it was a kind of, you've always told me about the kind of issue with Chris Paul and the jazz, but I didn't realize, I didn't connect the dots of him going third, Chris Paul going fourth, Chris Paul winning rookie of the year, and then him still kind of coming off the bench. Um, so that was kind of interesting, like reading about that, but then him, some, Sims like being all-star stumped for so many years and finally getting it like his last two years with the jazz. Um, but it was interesting kind of seeing that. I didn't know that it was like kind of like a little on court, um, rivalry between the two. I just kind of thought the jazz just didn't like Chris Paul. Didn't really know where that came from. Um, I also kind of like wish like his personality is kind of somebody that I kind of wish we had on the team. They got a little spicy. They said that he 
loved to be, you know, in the center of attention, always loved to give to the community, but he didn't like the media. And I just feel like that would have just, you know, we just we need one of those people on our team. A little spicy, a little spicy. And then lastly, the miracle in Miami. And this is something I wish that I could have seen in person. It's still a game that I still want to see in person. Miracle in Miami is Paul Millsap when I, I think he shot three threes in like the last, like th- they were down nine, 37 seconds left. And they were able to take the game to overtime and actually win the game. And they said it was Miracle in Miami because it was LeBron James and company, but it was LeBron James, Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. That's the kind of game where you just, I want to see, <laughs> I want to see an, an us win it. But to come back, I don't think I've ever been able to witness a comeback like that in that short amount of time. So uh, Paul Millsap, Jazz DNA. Absolutely Jazz DNA. He was a second round draft pick for this team that had zero expectations on it for him at least because he was a second round draft pick. What are you going to get? He was the leading rebounder in college, had all the hard work that a Jerry Sloan type player would need. And he did it with the miracle in Miami. I remember that game because of the first time that you're saying, wait a minute, Paul Millsap can hit threes. He should start taking more threes. Maybe this whole NBA thing where there's a three point line, should use that a little bit more. It started click for some people that the analytics of the game were trending the direction that Paul Millsap did that game. Because that was the first time that he had ever, ever shot threes in a game. And, and it ended up with the phenomenal comeback against the Heat. For sure. And they, they have a nickname for him. Do you know the nickname? Paul Millsap, the Bulldog? I don't know. Miss Betty's son. What? They what? players him teammates they saw him hit threes they called him miss betty's son that was a nickname that the players called him i kind of want to know that story a little bit more they didn't go in detail of why they decided to call him that but uh yeah that was his nickname oh i didn't know that fun fact look at me teaching you something i'll take it i need to learn some more things about thinking back at that team I just remember how daunting of a task it was to go into Miami when they had the big three. Everybody thought that that team was going to go 82-0, and 0, and then the Jazz walked into the AAA and take a home a win. That team made no sense. That team was so stressful to watch, but that's why I was so excited. Uh, that's why I love my Celtics so much, because I took them to a game seven, and it was the old big three, the old guys, this is the big three. And, yeah, the Jazz did it. They were able to beat them. Um, and then I think the Dallas Maps upset them. They didn't go 82-0, that's for sure. Uh, but that Miracle Miami, that's cool to read about. LeBron couldn't post up J.J. Barea in the finals that year. J.J. Barea's my height. Okay. He is. He is, though. Look it up. He's like 5'6". No, he's not. Yeah, look it up. Look it up because... You're not believing me. J.J. Barea is like 5'6". Five, 5'10". Five, he is not in, in the program, not in real life. Get out of here with that 5'10". He's 5'10". No, not a chance. We got to bring out the measuring tape next time J.J. Barea is around. Next time, more of the book, more learning about what we got from this team after a doubleheader against the Grizzlies this weekend. Again next week. So we're getting a lot of Memphis content coming along on Utah Jazz Social. Niall, wait, thank you so- oh, wait, wait, don't end it just yet. Don't end it just yet. Don't end it just yet. What do you got? Do you think, because John Moran is playing, right? No issues? No issues. I think we're going to 
You think Donovan's going to land any dunks tonight against John Morant? I don't know. Donovan hasn't been getting up this year. He hasn't, but I think he's had like two or three. What do you think? We're going to get a show. One of these nights we're going to get a show. You think so? We better get a show. We deserve a show. One of the games, Mike Conley's not going to be playing because the injury management on the back-to-back, so. Yeah, that means, yeah, Mike Conley's not playing tomorrow then. Yeah. That one's going to be closer than the one tonight. Yeah, we're definitely going to go shut up to tomorrow night because someone's going to have to step up. And John Morant, he's very good. He is very, very good. I think he is a very skilled player. Rookie of the year against the real rookie of the year. Oh, there you go. Already already fanning the flames on Ben Simmons. Nayo with jazz DNA in her heart. Happy Nayo Campbell Friday. 